0: We're back, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Gobranton here with my partner, Mo Moten. We were off last week. We did our post draft show. Huge numbers on that one, by the way. You guys love that show. Thanks for the feedback. Uh, But we are back, as I mentioned, myself and my co host, my partner in all of this. That is Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Follow him at Mo Moten on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And I am at LV Gully. You can follow the show, SNB Today. Mo, we did that post-draft show early last week for Monday. And then we were off the rest of the week from the show. And now we're back. And it's real interesting because, boy, there was a lot of emotion on draft night. And after the draft and how the Raiders did this, they didn't do that. They didn't do this. They did that. They needed to do that. And so there's a lot of people all over the map. Now, a week later, ish later, it seems like Raider Nation is kind of like, whoa, let's look sit back and look at this. And okay, you and I both had it in the B category, B plus B grade. Looks like Raider Nation starting to warm to some of these guys, including Michael Mayer for the number the number two pick in the draft for the Raiders, of course, a tight end in Notre Dame, go Irish. And everyone else, too, on that on uh, that draft slate. Seems to be warming up. The nation seems to be feeling a little better this week than last week.
1: As a fan, what else are you going to do? Are you going <laughs> to mope around the whole offseason and criticize the draft picks? No. Once, the, once these guys go from college to being Raiders, as a fan, your inclination is to cheer these guys on, obviously, and hope mm-hmm. that they are the best picks that the Raiders have had in a long time. Now, I will say, emotion or not, this is probably one of the better drafts the Raiders have had in in the previous years now that's not saying a lot the bar was low i know but if you look at the draft and what they did i know they didn't address all their needs at at spots that people thought they were cornerback linebackers specifically but i thought for what they had and what they did they did a pretty decent job in in filling some holes now there i as i've said on previous shows i have questions about two of the picks one of the picks i will say that i was initially low on i've come around and we'll talk about that but overall, looking at this class, I would say it, I, I, I'm not I'm not moving off of my grade. It's a it, solid B class.
0: It's not Trey Tucker, is it?
1: Look, no matter how you try to spin the Trey <laughs> Tucker pick, whether you're trading Hunter Renfro <laughs> or not, whether he could be Tyreek Hill or not, yeah, he's not going to be Tyreek Hill. Newsflash. No, but you you don't. You just don't take a backup slot wide receiver. Now I know Dave Ziegler said he looks at Trey Tucker as a complete wide receiver. He can line up inside. Nuts. I get that. But his first job is going to be, one, to contribute on special teams, and yep. two, to fill it in a slot. And you just don't, do, you don't take that guy in the third round with the right. needs that the Raiders had.
0: Remember when they took the special teams war daddy? Oh, God. Remember him? Oh, he was a special teams guy, too, and they took him in the third round. That was, of course, Tanner Muse. Right? So I have the same people telling me I was wrong about Tanner Muse. Telling me I'm wrong about Trey Tucker, that he is the second coming of Tyreek Hill. Oh, gosh. I mean, listen, I'm all fine with Raiders fans saying, hey, listen, give the guy a chance. I got no problem with that attitude. Like, right? okay, cool. But let's not put him up as something he's not going to be. Well, you didn't watch. I said, no, I did watch. I, I, I'm i in Cincinnati. I saw him play all the time. <laughs> so don't tell me I didn't watch him. It's It just is. Now, again, maybe... Listen, Mo, it'd be great if he proved us wrong, wouldn't it? It'd be awesome. I'd be the first one to stand up and say, I was wrong. But to your point, yes, I think that the, the when people get a chance, they hear names. They don't know a name on draft night, so they overreact and say, what are they doing? Wah, wah. And then they have a week to watch. They have a week to read about these guys. They get to know them because, of course, all the beat writers are doing pieces on the draft picks, so you get to know the players. And suddenly, people start to warm to them. Now, that said, Mo, even with this draft class, and some of the... Oh, by the way, who was the guy you changed your mind on?
1: It was Byron Young. Oh, it Byron is Young. Byron Young. That's right. And, yep. and, and it's because when Byron Young was drafted, I heard a lot of, oh, he's a, he's a run stopper. He's a run stuffer. He's a space eater. And yes, he did. He was a two gapper at Alabama. Had to yep. hold two blocks at one time. And I get that. But as I said on my Bleacher Report live show, as I said in our uh, post-draft show, he had about 28 pressures in his last year at Alabama, which equaled the same amount of pressures he had in his first few years there. So with more playing time, he showed that he had the ability to rush the passer. My Mm. theory here is that he's not just a run stuffer. He's not just a space eater. He's not going to be a Jonathan Hankins. I think he's going to challenge Bilal Nichols for snaps. Because if you look at the measurements, Bilal Nichols... And and uh, Byron Young, similar size, similar weight, height and weight measurements. If you look at if you look at Byron Young, he's under three hundred. Now he could probably get over three hundred once he gets into an NFL facility, but his body type is the type of player you don't just put on the field on early downs and ask him to take on two gaps on the pro mm-hmm. level. He he has a type of body type where now he's not the most explosive athlete, but the ability to get to the quarterback, which he showed last year says that he could possibly be on the field on all three downs. So I I think he could be a possible replacement for for Bilal Nichols. That's his upside. Raider fans don't want to hear it because Bilal Nichols is pretty much just the guy on the field last year. But I think they see the upside in Byron Young and saying that he could be better than Bilal Nichols is or is right now, what we expected Bilal Nichols to be. So before you give Byron Young a C draft grade, (laughs) I would say... Wait to see how the Raiders use him. If they just use him as a run stuffer, then not understand the low grade. But I yes. think they're going to try to put him, put him on the field on every down and allow him to rush the passer.
0: I do too. And and listen, I think he's the kind of guy, and I think I said this on our, our show last week after the draft, which was he's the kind of guy that you hope to develop, that can find it because he has, the I think, the, the innate talent there to do more than he did in college. And so that, I think that's one of those guys you're kind of taking, I know, where he was taken might give people reservations about that, but he's a guy you're taking on spec, right? And you're saying, hey, we know what he can do, and fine, if he does that for us, whatever, but we think we can get more out of him. It's one of those challenges with this coaching staff and Patrick Graham staff and the line coach. They're going to have to try to get more out of him, and if they do, you're right. The stock in that pick goes drastically higher, and and so we'll see. And if they do that, if he can be more than they than some people think of him, then suddenly you you wipe out a, a, a glaring need there, right? That that goes beyond just getting somebody to get, stop the stop the run, and and I look at the roster, Mo, and even with if you change your mind about Byron Young and you say, okay, let's give this guy a shot, is the roster still has a lot of work to be done, right? There has to be some things happening here, whether it's via free agency. Some people have talked about trades. I don't see any trades happening. It's not Dave Ziegler's M.O. If you're paying attention, Raider Nation, he's not going to make a trade for now. He's going to make a trade to stop cap now, but he's not going to make a trade for any big contracts or anything like that because he's building through the draft. Do you agree with me on that, Mo?
1: I agree with you on that, but what I will say is that the Raiders have such a big hole at linebacker. Oh, yeah. I don't see how he could not, consider a a trade i mean unless it's a you know the team is asking for everything in the world i don't see how he doesn't go out and proactively try to improve the like you cannot go into the season with robert spillane divine diablo and i know raider fans have been saying divine diablo could be the breakout guy this year well look Mm -hmm. if i if i can get an upgrade at that position which is the by far easily easy easily the worst position on the roster I try to improve it. And there are two names that I know people are going to get tired of hearing me saying dun, this. But
0: dun, 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 Patrick, Patrick Queen Quinn
1: has to be on the Raiders' radar. He has to be. The, the Ravens declined his fifth year option. It's yes. clear that his, his future is uncertain in Baltimore. Pick up the phone and call the Ravens for Patrick Queen. The so, alternative is Isaiah Simmons out of uh, Arizona, Arizona, the Cardinals. Have a rebuilding franchise now. Simmons has been a lot more productive than Patrick Queen. He's also more mm-hmm. versatile because he can also play safety and also can line up in the nickel. I don't think the Cardinals would be inclined to move on from him, but if they dangle him out there and put him on the trade block, I would definitely Oof. bite on that.
0: I, I, if you, if you remember back at the when he was drafted, I think this, I think we, were, I was doing a show with Kelly at that point live. I love that kid because of that hybrid position, the fact that he can he can sail back and play the safety as well and be effective in both spots. And the nickel, yeah, is awesome. Um, if you look at the Patrick Queen thing, and I'm not just playing into the Mo Moten <laughs> dreams and wishes here, but what I said about them not going out and making a big trade uh, because they're going to build for the draft, Patrick Queen fits in that. Because if Patrick Queen comes to the Raiders, you're talking about a $3 million cap uh, salary this, this, this year. And then he's a free agent, right? So, so you can take your one chance. And if he plays awesome and you, and you re-sign him after that, great. If he doesn't, you, you walk away and you got him for a year. And if he did well, great for you. So to me, that's the perfect situation. That's why not only is the player good, but the situation with the contract is even better.
1: It's a very Denzel Perryman type move, right? So you right. acquire the player, you see what he does for that one year, and then you, you figure out if you want to keep him. Now, Denzel Perryman had two years on his deal. Patrick Queen has one, and Patrick Queen is younger. But the ideal is still the same. You get a cheap pickup, and then you take it from there to find out if he's going to be you know, a core piece of your defense or not. Now, they let Benzo Perryman walk after a Pro Bowl year. It's different. But um, I think Patrick Queen definitely, and a lot of people are saying, well, he may ask for a new deal. Well, Patrick Queen didn't play well for his first two years in Baltimore, so he's not really in position to demand a new contract right, right. now he's going to have to play out 2023 to get that new deal. And I think that motivation, that added motivation on a cheap deal is a perfect situation for the Raiders.
0: It is. Mo, let me ask you this. Are the Raiders, do they need to or are they going to do anything here before the season on the offensive line? I think they like what they have. I know Raider fans, a lot of Raider fans are still under the misnomer that the offensive line was terrible. It was not. At the beginning of the year, it was. It got better and got consistent. Is it a top 10 unit? No. But Jel- Jermaine Illuminor came along. He's got that spot right now. I think it's his to lose unless they go out and they completely upgrade, to my point. But I think they're ready to roll into the season with that. I'm not saying they won't get some another player or two to come in there for depth, but I think they like what they have.
1: Yeah, I think they like what they have as well. But to your point, I think they're going to add some depth because if you read Peter King's piece, Peter King spent the night in the Raiders draft room, if you read the piece, the Raiders like Paris Johnson Jr., but the, but the Cardinals moved up over the Raiders to the sixth spot and swiped him. So uh, if anything, I think they add another tackle, but it's not going to be someone who's a big name, a big notable mm-hmm. name, unless there's a cut somewhere. Maybe someone to compete with Jermaine Illuminar, but I, I would think that Illuminar is, is the front runner. It's his job to lose, basically, at right tackle.
0: Absolutely. All right. We're up against our first break here on Silver and Black today. Good to be back with you guys after a week. That's right. A week. We're back. We're talking Raiders football. When we come back, we'll roll on. We'll talk more about the Raiders getting back on the field. Yes, they're going to be back on the field this weekend, folks. Yes, the rookies, that is. We'll talk about that. Also, the schedule, the NFL schedule, including the Raiders schedule, will be released on Thursday, Thursday. So we'll talk through that as well. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere.